So, how was your week? My week was pretty excellent. How was your sleep yeah. schedule? Um, for the most part, pretty good. Uh, woke up an hour early a couple of days, but uh, otherwise, like, stuck it out. How about you? Having any congestion just really puts a hamper on my sleep schedule. Um, <laughs> kids too, right? Yeah, kids too, yeah. So, yeah, um, it's getting there. I think uh, one thing that I've really taken advantage of, I think I mentioned this last time, I'm going to put some links in the notes, is I've uh, been using a couple of apps on my watch and my phone that have really helped me. Um, the first one that I started using was Sleep Cycle. And you had mentioned how, I think you were talking about your alarm and how your alarm is... Uh, it, it goes louder and louder, right? It's not like a, just an immediate noise. So what's nice about Sleep Cycle and, the, and Pillow, the other app that I actually have switched over to, is they um, Sleep Cycle uses a microphone to tell when you're more awake. And so it turns on the alarm within a 30-minute range. So let's say you set your alarm at 7 a.m. It will wake you up sometime between 6.30 and 7 a.m., uh, depending on what it detects in your sleep cycle, uh, which I really like. And then there's a lot of statistics it'll show you. Um, recently, I've actually moved to, to another app called Pillow, which I really like. And that uh, that has gotten me to using my watch at night, which means i got to make sure I get it charged before I go to bed. But that will use the heart rate monitor as well as the microphone. I think on either the watch or the phone to detect your sleep cycle and wake you up at the right time. And that's really been interesting because it breaks things down based on deep sleep, light sleep, REM, uh, awake time, and all that stuff. And you can tell your heart rate as you sleep. You can tell how loud you are. I, it records all my snoring, which is really scary. But... Um, yeah, so those are a couple of things I wanted to put in the notes to share with our audience uh, if they're really interested in hacking their sleep, so to speak. Have you had any experience with sleep apps? No, I've I've just used the uh, bedtime app on my phone, and it just has the volume steadily increase when I want to wake up. But uh, for the most part, it's me just brute forcing alarm goes off. I jump out of bed and just start my day. So I've switched over to Pillow because I use the Apple Watch. Um, I like Pillow more because it breaks things down more and it uses the heart rate monitor on the watch. I don't think it's required to have the watch. You can use it with just the phone and just use a sound recording to do sleep cycle stuff. But yeah, those are two apps I wanted to recommend um, just following up on our discussion last time on sleeping. All right. Yeah, I'd like to try out that sleep cycle myself too. I'd like to... Can you change how much time before or after your normal alarm time it'll wake you up? Yep. I think you can break it down. I don't know. Maybe it's 15 minutes to an hour and you break it. It's in breaks of 15 minutes each. But yeah, sometimes I'll, if I'm really crazy, I might put a 60 minute range and, you know, put it for later in the day, later in the morning. So there's a lot you can do. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why. Sometimes I wake up about an hour before my alarm goes off, and I'm kind of curious to know if it would pick that kind of thing up. Yeah, exactly. 
Eric, recently I just watched this YouTube video uh, by Hank Green, and I'll have a link in the notes. But in this video, he was talking about his rule for productivity and his rule being the what he calls like the 80% rule. Um, I think I shared this with you this week, and I was wondering what your thoughts on that video were. Um, I, I really like that rule. Um, one thing I really like about it though, is the sentiment of the rule. Um, I really like the getting good enough, like doing good enough with whatever you're creating. Um, I do have thoughts on calling it the 80% rule, um, that always kind of, um, messes me up because it kind of feels like a metric, right? How do you even know what 80% is and when to stop that? Um, but it's, it's more about the spirit of the 80% rule um, instead of just like measuring what you're doing and then stopping when you're 80% of the way to like what the perfect solution would be. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I've heard, I've heard 80% used often to describe things and the idea being more than just three quarters but less than 90 percent um so it's it's a good indication to me one thing about that video and definitely you should check it out uh, is the venn diagram he well it's not a venn diagram so much as a target board that he uses okay so he said in the video that there's a target that you're always trying to reach of 100 percent but in fact a lot of people's experiences with your video or whatever piece you're working on, your essay, your podcast, everybody has a different experience. So their idea of perfection is going to be different. So what he did is he kind of showed like, it's not so much a target as being multiple targets being blurred all together. And so you may think that you get to perfection, but in fact, you may only get to perfection for you or perhaps one of your, one of the folks in your audience. Uh, instead, what he says is you want to get in that blur of the middle. And hence, that's why kind of, I think he's using the term 80% is like, you can get to the center of the target, but that isn't going to, it's just, you're just going to burn steam, you know, you're going to be burning calories and not really like getting anything better because in fact you want to be just within the wider range of the bullseye and not so much the exact center. So what are, what are some ways that you can tell when you've reached that 80% and when can you tell when you're wasting time? The example that I'm thinking of right now is when I'm working on graphics, I'm not a graphic designer by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, Typically, when I want to work on something and I try and get it to the quality that I expect of myself, I tend to steer towards that like bullseye, like just keep working on it, keep working on it. But recently, I've discovered a couple of cool ways to help get me over that. Um, one of them is to actually just uh, try switching mediums when I think something is pretty close. Like if I feel like I'm onto something, then switch to a different medium. Um, so the example is, uh, like if I'm making a new logo, I will start sketching it with a pen or a pencil on a sheet of paper, and I will just do as many ideas to get, um, 
to get it out there and then I'll show it to some friends. Um, I don't know. I might've done with done this with you, um, where I just draw some stuff out and then post a bunch of different ideas and then let people say what they think. And then when I get a good feel, um, I'll actually take that snapshot, pull it into Inkscape, and then I will just draw over the top of it and get it really close. And then I call that good. It's funny you're talking you're talking about that, and I've read some articles about this, especially with startups, how people will waste time. This is more probably a problem with having too many choices. But people waste a lot of time trying to make decisions and they get a plethora of choices that more confuse them than necessarily get them to perfection. And like I think when we started working on this podcast, my my thing was more about getting closer to, to doing what we're essentially doing right now, recording as opposed to spending way too much time with like a logo or a font and the kind of stuff that we find fun to do because it's honestly it is fun right like it's fun to do graphics and do things like that because then you really get to create something but like in the end like it's more getting that eight percent of the core product done than it is spending time looking through fonts or um choosing a color theme or things like that that we all want to do but we know in the end doesn't like it can only get so good right like that's there's, there's definitely – you can be wrong, and you don't want to be wrong. I'm not saying that, but you at least want to be you know, in that 80% range um, and just getting there. And then once you're there, just say, okay, that's enough. Let's move on. Um, and nothing's written in stone. I think people have to understand that. If you ever <clears throat> want to look at some stuff that's embarrassing, look at some old logos and how awful they used to be, um, and then it'll give you an idea of that – Nothing is permanent, and nobody remembers any of those old logos or anything like that. Yeah, I think logos are an especially good example. Um, creative types of products or projects in general, I think um, you can apply the 80% rule to those really well. Um, if you're drawing or making music or something like that, um, there's... Um, there's an idea of like, this is pretty close. Uh, let's call it good. And you can always come back to it. You know I mean, especially in the digital age logos, like you can always update your logo. Um, I know of some companies who it's almost like they systematically do it. Like they want to come back to their logo every few years just to freshen it up a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Cool. Uh, there are some areas where I feel like uh, 80% rule maybe isn't uh, ideal. Um, I think any areas that involve like a mission critical system, like uh, something that involves people's health or safety um, or just uh, like well-being or you need it to function, like the roof of your house, for example, like you don't want to just uh, cover 80% of the roof. That'd be a big, big problem. <laughs> uh, same with like self-driving cars. Like there is, um, that's a big thing right now. Um, lots of companies are pouring tons of resources into self-driving cars and you don't want them to function well 80% of the time. Um, I mean, the goal is to actually have them work better than humans do. 
um, which I haven't actually looked at the stats, but I hope and like to think that 80% of the time I'm on the road that I'm doing an effective job. (laughs) I mean, I'm certainly not crashing, but I feel like I'm staying between the the lanes, uh, the lines on the road. I mean, pretty close to 100% of the time, and I would expect self-driving cars to be able to do the same. Yeah, I agree. So uh, it's December, and the end of the year is coming up pretty quick, uh, especially with holidays and spending time with family and all of that. A lot of people will be thinking about what they're going to be doing differently in 2018. Is that something that you've been putting a lot of thought into already? As far as what I'm going to do new in 2018? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking uh, New Year's resolutions, like the big changes. I mean, yeah. the common are like weight loss or right. quitting smoking, things like that. Travel more. I don't so, know. So I am not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. Um, I think... It feels to me very arbitrary to start a new year a resolution or to make change in New Year's. Um, like, why, if you want to start losing weight, why in the middle of July are you going to say, well, I'll give myself six more months, you know, to be, to do whatever I want. And then come January, I'm going to like start losing weight. I'm very much like the kind of person who's like, why not start now? Or at least why not start next week? But like to wait, to wait a month or to wait a few months to start any sort of habit always seems a bit strange, and it also has the sort of sounding a bit drastic. Where I don't think human beings are really good at making big drastic changes, um, and for me, it's more important to form habit and to schedule yourself. To schedule those habits within your daily life. Um, yeah. So like make a like, routine out of it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so you don't like if you want to lose weight, don't have junk food around the house. Like it's that simple. Or don't like schedule time to go walking. Um, but if you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to start January first going to the gym and running for for 45 minutes, like. <laughs> You're not, it's not gonna, even if you do it, it's not going to last. It just won't. It was always humorous, like having. I've had memberships with various gyms and stuff, and it's always funny how like January the place gets completely packed, and then by mid February it's back to the way it was. And I find that really humorous because it's like always a cycle every year of these people who just come to the gym and then like they pay their ten bucks a month, sure, but they never come once February or March come around. So I'm against drastic changes. I'm against arbitrary beginnings to goals. Um, I'm not against change or forming new habits or scheduling that or making routines that improve your um, whatever goals you're trying to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I um I agree with some of that. Um, I really like the part where you said 
uh, like setting yourself up for doing this big change, you know, one, one month out or two months out, um, you're kind of setting this deadline. And until then you're kind of giving yourself this, um, this excuse like, Oh, I'll take care of it. January 1st, January 1st. I don't have to worry about it today. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to think about it. And then January 1st is there. And then boom, suddenly you've got this big thing that you've got to deal with. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, how do you wedge that big change into your life? I think that might be an area where a lot of people are like, okay, gym membership, let's do this. And then get in. And then the rest of your life is just, is kind of like pushed to the side a little bit to make room for this one thing. And it's hard to keep it going because the rest of your life is all trying to adjust to this, um, this change that you're making. And it just doesn't balance out that way. If you made smaller changes, um, you know, I, I, I like what you're saying with that. Um, I'd have to think a little bit about whether I agree that big changes are um, generally not. Well, you, you didn't say they weren't good, but people have a hard time with them. Um, I've definitely had some struggles, but I tend to iterate. So I'll make a big change. And if it doesn't go well, then I'll try and assess like, what did I do wrong or where did I go wrong and figure out how I can do it better. But always with that mindset of like, how can I make this part of my routine? I I think you were onto something right there. Yeah. I'm not sure like big changes I'm necessarily against, but if there's no scaffolding to support that, whether that's routine or habit or environment, like it's not, it just, it isn't going to last. It won't. Um, you're not set up that way but like setting goals i'm not against that but i think one other thing is like especially with losing weight i don't think you want to set yourself up to necessarily lose a specific set of pounds per se but more you want to set yourself up to have those habits so maybe not necessarily looking at the scale i mean you definitely want to lose weight you don't want to gain weight but you you do want to like set up a schedule to where you're working out three times a week that should be your goal not so much necessarily emphasizing the weight loss of a certain number of pounds and i also think like I'm not necessarily against setting goals and reviewing those goals on a periodic basis. Um, I, I just think, actually, I think a year is not often enough. Like, maybe monthly, maybe every two weeks, maybe every quarter. But, like, to do it every year just seems a little bit ridiculous amount of time. Seasons change, life events change, and, you know, I think that there's always a good time to look back and reassess every so often. Yeah. Yeah, especially with uh, those check-ins, if you do that reassessment more regularly, you can help yourself develop other habits to help you track your goals. Um, So if you're doing daily check-ins on weight, that might at least get you in the habit of observing your weight and then reflecting on what did you do about your diet the previous day to cause your weight to fluctuate just that little bit. Um, but then maybe look at it in aggregate over a week because, I mean, sometimes the food that we eat, it can just take three or four days to just get through our system. Um, I mean, we'll hold on to a little bit of water weight and then we'll flush it out. So sometimes um, you have to pick that sweet spot. Um, 
and sometimes you have to find more than one way to assess your goals. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's there is a part of New Year's resolutions that I do like, um, and it is the the hype. And there is this kind of like there's this period of time where you might be able to team up with some other people. Um, I really like those ideas. I like the idea of uh, working with people to add some accountability to your goals. I think that's really helpful in actually achieving your goals. Um, you see the, this a lot with exercise and fitness now, especially now that so much of that is attached to apps. Um, and like, especially as an Apple Watch owner, I've seen like how much fitness has been tied to um, like a social network type thing, to where you're tracking your weight or you're tracking your habits along with uh, a group of other people. Yeah, and I, I definitely see this. Not, I wouldn't call it like a gamification so much as like a um, spirit like of teamwork to reach a certain goal. Is that kind of what you've seen? Yeah, and people can um, you uh, apply that like accountability in a lot of different ways. Some people are more competitive, so they'll actually challenge each other to see who can um, reach their target weight or whatever in a, in the fastest amount of time. Um, some people are just using it for the social aspect because being around people can be energizing. Um, I think the idea there is that you need to know yourself and whoever you're going to be teaming up with well enough to make sure that the way that you're expressing those goals and pursuing them uh, gels with how you can maintain that high level of energy. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. And um, I think it depends, it depends on the person though. It could be a competitive thing. It could be a, a um, cooperative thing, but at the same time, you know, it's all about, being able to compare yourself with others and see, you know, have some motivation to push yourself forward and keep yourself going. The other thing I, I like about it, um, but I'm kind of torn. I think there's, uh, this January 1st, um, having a date where it's just a lot of people know, um, I mean that new year's resolution just has a feel. There's a lot of people who get really excited about, setting some new goals for themselves at that point in time. The thing that I wish was that January 1st was in the summer. Uh, we live in Michigan. It's a very cold, dreary time of the year. It's right after the holidays. So a lot of people are just burnt out by all of the holiday stuff that's going on. Um, so I feel like it's not exactly the best time for setting up big goals like that. If, uh, I think if there was some other time in the year where there could be like a mid year's resolution or something like that, it's summer. Everyone gets that extra daylight. There's more energy. There's more time. Um, like people are just generally a little bit, uh, happier because the sun's out more. Um, you know, I, I feel like something like that, I'm saying I wish there was something like a, a mid-year's resolution, like June 1st or something like that, where there was all this hype about like a bunch of people getting excited about like this is a new chance for us to actually set some goals. Like, let's do it. Let's all get together and find out like what we let's talk about what we want to do differently and how we want to kind of uh, like transform our lives a little bit and make ourselves better people. 
um, I, th- I just I can't help but feel like January being cold, dark, dreary, right out th- after the holidays. It's just not the ideal time to be setting up a, um, a lot of new goals. Yeah. So can I ask you a uh, slightly related question? Yes, absolutely. Do you have any biggish goals or any kind of uh, areas for growth that you're currently working on? Yeah, there is actually. Um, so ironically enough, it's like creating more things per se. Uh, so that would be writing, audio, video. Um, those are what's kind of important to me. Um, and also... I think that's my big goal. And part of that is scheduling time within my week because as I try to do that goal, I try to, to make that actually happen. I found that there is not more than 24 hours in a day. Um, so unfortunately what I need to do is either cut things out that I need to do or cut things out that I want to do. And I need to make that sacrifice if I'm going to make that happen. So that's kind of part of my, goal per se that has been long going um and part of how i do that is i actually schedule time in my calendar to achieve those goals and if something may come up that may conflict conflict with that i i either say you know i have to sacrifice one thing or i have to sacrifice the other and i need to make that decision and just reassess um and so that's kind of what i do does that make sense does that answer your question yeah yeah so what i'm uh Something that I kind of gleaned from that was that there's this element of prioritization as well. So you kind of have to think about the priority of your goal and how it's going to actually fit into your schedule. I think that goes back to New Year's resolutions. You have to put some thought into how your goals are uh, going to fit into your schedule and how big of a priority they are when other things inevitably come up so that you don't derail your progress. Right. Right. Like, okay, you want to work out more often. When are you going to do it? Well, I'm going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Are you really going to wake up five o'clock in the morning or, well, maybe not. Maybe I should do it more during my lunch hour. Okay. You do it during your lunch hour. Now when you're starving at lunch and you like end up peeing out in a hurry, does that really help your goal or is it really hurting what, what your goal is? Um, what if you have a meeting right after you work out and you're tired and exhausted and you can't think the rest of the afternoon because you've worked out? Like, so, I mean, there's all, there's a lot of stuff to kind of think about and assess, um, and just scheduling something and being able to be agile to what changes may take place, I think is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. What are your goals that you've been trying to do? Um, I've been working on um, just flexibility. I've, I mean, I'm pretty tall. I've never been able to touch my toes for as long as I can remember. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And um, my my habits over the last uh, 15 years of sitting at a computer and doing software development. have just taken their toll. So I've become more inflexible. So trying to do some, um, like the way I set mine up is right before my meals, I do a little bit of, uh, stretching or mobility exercises, um, which helps with my appetite. Um, and and it also, 
Explain that to me yeah. a little bit. How does that help your appetite? Um, well, I mean, I'm starving <laughs> by the time I am done with those those stretches or exercises. Um, and so, like, at the same time, I'm breathing just hard enough that I can't really just hork down my food really fast. Um, so I have to take my time to prepare my lunch and get my breath down, um, so that I can actually eat my meal. Um, and you know, I don't give myself more time for lunch to do that. It's not like I'm working out for 15 minutes or anything like that. It's, um, just some, uh, like stretching my legs in every possible way I can imagine, or, uh, doing some burpees, um, or doing some lunges or squats and stuff like that main motivation for that goal is, uh, uh, is actually just keeping up with my daughter. Um, waited a little bit longer. I mean, I'm 36 coming up on 37 and she's four. I want to be able to keep up with her as best I can when she's a teenager. And so I am a lot more concerned about my health and being able to move around well, um, you know, in the next 10 years than I have in the last 10 years. Thank you for listening to the OK Productive Podcast with Leo Dion and Eric Gillespie. Music provided by Elisha Fitchcook. You can follow us on Twitter at OK Productive as well as our Facebook page. Be sure to subscribe to OK Productive wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll catch you soon.